there was not anyone telling me to do this, but it's because I wanted it, I desired it, I loved it, I wanted to learn this. It wasn't easy. At the beginning, I found it very hard. Memorize the Quran generally was very difficult for me at the beginning. Before one page, memorizing one page would take me days. Sometimes even a week. I used to think, I mean, why are you not getting it? What's wrong with you? I used to think, this is the greatest time. This is the, the best time that I can, you know, start that relationship with the Quran and start reciting it more and start looking at the meaning and, and start, you know, listening to it more and make an effort to start learning it. everyone. Welcome to the Ilm Feed podcast. I'm your host, Shabir Hassan. Uh, today, alhamdulillah, we were joined by our dear Ustad, Yahya Rabi, um, who came and spoke to us all about the Quran, building a relationship with the Quran, especially with Ramadan fast approaching, um, how to memorize, connect with it, um, sharing his own experiences. Um, on his journey with the Quran. So I hope you, inshallah, enjoy and benefit from this episode. Saad uh, Yahya, even though we're both in the UK, the first time we met was actually in, uh, not long ago in Medina, if you can recall. Correct. Alhamdulillah, there's a blessed, blessed union there. Uh, but this is the second time we meet in, in the podcast studio. Alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. So welcome. Uh, we've been trying to get this done for a while. Allah so Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless you for, for being here, for giving May us your time. Allah bless you and honor you and grant you khair al-akhirah. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Honestly. Alhamdulillah. Um, alhamdulillah. So um, Ramadan approaching. Um, naturally, I think a lot of our discussion is going to be around the month of the Quran, mm-hmm. um, building our relationship with the Quran. Um, I wanted to ask actually, this is a bit of a random question. Um, but since we're on the theme of Ramadan, mm-hmm. um, do you have a a best Ramadan memory growing up? Like, what was <laughs> you know, what's a Ramadan memory that that stands out for you? Allah, Ramadan, Allah, Ramadan. I remember the first time I ever fasted in Ramadan. I think I was like in year four, and I yeah. I used to beg my mum, you know, I want to fast, I want yeah, to try yeah. it, etc. And yeah, I was probably around nine years old at the time. And uh, my mom will tell me, okay, you can fast. But mm. the moment it gets too hard, you have to break your fast, etc. Mm. Mm. And my dad, to encourage us to fast, my love, bless him, he would tell us, whoever fasts a full day, they will get a milkshake at iftar time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So I'd be looking forward to that milkshake every time I fast. <laughs> and you know, it, uh, it, it reminds me of the hadith of Ali, salam, that he says that, that the, the, the one who's fasting, he has two moments that he rejoices, or two times that he rejoices. When he breaks his fast, hoping that hopefully he's attained the reward that he was seeking and so on. And when he meets Allah, he sees the actual reward that he's attained and that Allah has granted him due to those fasts that he's fasted. So um, that was a very young memory. But my memorable uh, my most memorable Ramadan is probably Ramadan I was mentioning to one of the brothers early on that uh, there was a year that or a few years with my friends and some of my the brothers that I was memorizing Quran with we'll all be in the same masjid and we'll be going to the masjid for Salat al-Fajr together and then mm. everyone's reading Quran and then you know you'd go after home after and rest maybe until Dhuhr and you come back and this was during the summer holiday when mm. Ramadan was in the summer and, and then after that um, 
we would uh, spend majority of the day in the masjid and reciting Quran and Allah Taala is going to be leading tarawih so you're revising for mm-hmm. that you'll have iftar in the masjid and just that environment itself is probably one of the most yeah. beautiful environments that I've been in for Ramadan yani yes we need that motivation 100%. to keep going 100% on the on the first story that you had it's um i think one of the advantages we had maybe growing up was mm-hmm. when we were around that age like 9 10 no. um it was shorter days Yes, exactly. you know, I, from true. what I recall, so um, true, I think true. it was a lot. Even even me, I can I have very early, alhamdulillah, yeah. you know, memories of fasting. Even I was in school and I was, exactly, a, yeah. you know, but at least it was shorter days. So we were we were trying our best, alhamdulillah. Um, and then now, on on your second point, I can, I, I, you know, that Ramadan revolving around the salahs and the masjid and and the community. Um, I don't think you can you can beat that you know course, that feeling, yeah, um, especially when you're leading taraweeh. Yeah. Basically, your whole day is you're thinking about that one. Exactly. You know, however many rakat you're leading, it's all about revising, exactly. getting someone to listen to you, no. and and gearing up for that. So um, it's it's an amazing feeling. Do you have what's what's like a memory? What, do you remember the first time you led taraweeh? Like, yeah, of course, I could yeah. never forget that. <laughs> the first time I ever led taraweeh, I remember mm. I was given two rakats. You know, they were okay. testing me yeah, out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they gave me two rakats. <laughs> And um, I remember those two rakahs I recited Surah Al-Rahman and Surah Waqi'ah yani That was the nice yeah, yeah. that they gave me And uh, Alhamdulillah yani, it, it didn't go as bad as I thought it would go mm. You know And um, Because previously Prior to that I had led prayer yani I remember one time Maybe a year before that uh, The Imam of my local masjid I came for Salat Al-Isha mm. And I normally used to do the Adhan for Salah So this time when I came and I did the adhan, when I got to the iqamah, the imam came, he, he told me, you're, you're leading salah. And he did the iqamah. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm leading salah? Like, uh, it's no way. Mm. So I refused. And he was like, no, you're leading salah. Everyone's waiting, yalla. You have to lead. Yeah. And what made it even more yani, scary was the fact that a lot of my teachers and my mashaykh were there. Yeah. So there's no way I can be leading salah. But he forced me and said, no, you have to. So I, I started the prayer and I remember my legs were shaking. My heart was beating so fast and I was out of breath like I, read, like a, yeah, like yeah. I ran a marathon. And then I started Surah Al-Fatiha. Then after Fatiha, I remember I recited Surah Zilzala in the first rakah. And then the second rakah, I recited Surah Ikhlas. Uh, and alhamdulillah, it went well. But after the prayer, I didn't have the, I didn't have the ability to even look back and look at the people. Mm. That's how nervous I was. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first time. Then after he, he he kept telling me to lead a few times after that. So leading up to Taraweeh, I had a bit of experience leading some of the obligatory prayers yeah, in yeah. the masjid, which had of course a lot less people. Mm. So when he came to Taraweeh, when the masjid is going to be packed and so on. It wasn't as, 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 as scary as I thought it would be And I, alhamdulillah, I was able uh, to do it But it was quite an experience And after that, from then onwards I, I never stopped <laughs> yeah. They'd always be They, they started giving me in the, in, the, in the following years I need more rakahs to lead And mm. you know more nights as well And so on And, and one, one thing to led to another Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Those Alhamdulillah. memories are, good are nice memories. You know, the Taraweeh ones, the Taraweeh ones are amazing. Are. Especially when the, in, the in, good in, ones and the bad ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah, always yeah. been those bad ones as well that you had an oh, awful yeah, night. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Those ones feel awful. Um, and you have those regrets and you know. Of course. Alhamdulillah, it's a learning curve and you learn a lot from it. Exactly. And it's the fact that our, you know, teachers would actually push us from that young age, like you said, to lead the prayers initially and then leading up to Taraweeh. Exactly. They gave... Us that encouragement, yeah, uh, and I think without that encouragement, we wouldn't be ready to 
to, to lead and to give khutbas and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So it's very important to have that. You need their training, especially when your teachers are there. You know, they have, they're there to guide you and, and to help you with things that you may not do as well as mm. you should and so on. So it's, I think it's very important. Yeah, now. sure. Okay, um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about actually, you know, on that note, I wanted to actually talk a little bit about your your personal journey mm-hmm. um, with the Quran. Um, everyone has their own journey with the Quran. Some start very early, some mm-hmm. start later. Um, you know, maybe maybe you could even argue there is no early or later. You know, alhamdulillah, there's you know, even if you start at a later age, there's something there. You know, because some people maybe don't even have that um, journey. So just wanted to find a little bit about your journey with the Quran, um, whether it's just First, learning it, mm-hmm. memorizing it, um, fond memories, mistake, uh-huh. you know, like any, anything. Because the reason why I ask is because I think um, when we share our personal journeys, you know, yeah. people can relate to it. Oh, and okay. um, some people, maybe they're, 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 just, they're just intrigued to, to know how, we, how, how, it's, how you were able to balance things and, you know, um, at what age and things like that. So, yeah, whatever mm-hmm. you can share on that. Yeah, so, alhamdulillah, yani, I started to memorize the Quran from young age, you know, of course, um, my mother, she took me to um, to the Quran classes as as young as maybe four or five, sure. and uh, that's where it started. But it started because my mother was taking me there. My parents were telling me to go there, etc. Mm. It wasn't because it's something I wanted. Of course, at that age, you have no idea what mm. you're doing, Annie. Yeah. So I remember during those years, my mom would take me to his classes, and I used to say to her, "I said to Hoyo, and that's how we say mom and somebody." Mm. I said, "Hoyo, you know, is memorize the Quran is it wajib?" And because I'm, I'm trying to find a way out, yeah. I, I don't want to do it, you know. Yeah. And she said to me, "It's wajib. You must do it." <laughs> so she said, "You have to go to classes." So of course, from the age of five to about ten, mm. I was going there just because my parents were taking me there. However, when I got to the age of ten, that's when things changed, because I remember I was sitting in a, in one of the classes, and the teacher was explaining something on the board in Arabic. He was writing something on the board in Arabic, and I started daydreaming, and I was thinking, if only. I knew Arabic mm. That perhaps would change everything it's the, great, it's the greatest goal that I can achieve And subhanAllah I didn't do anything about it However uh, At that time I started frequenting my local masjid So I started to go there very frequently for the salahs It was like five minute walk from my house so I used to go there very often uh, For all the salahs that I was able to go to And except the ones out, out, I was at school and so on And then a year later I started calling the adhan of the masjid So I used to go sometimes Half an hour, 40 minutes before the salah mm. So that nobody beats me to the adhan Because there's all these other uncles you know, who used yeah, to be yeah. there And they, they would compete with me for the adhan So I used to go there even more earlier than them So that nobody beats me to the adhan So I used to go there, alhamdulillah And I started calling the adhan So during that time There were a number of mashayikh who had Moved to my locality and come to the masjid And um, one of them uh, Sheikh Ismail, may Allah bless him He, after I called the Adhan for Salat al-Maghrib I believe, or Isha, I can't remember He called me, Yahya, come, come to mm. me So I came to him and he said to me How much of the Quran have you memorized? So at that time I memorized a few ajza of the Quran And he said to me um, Would you like to complete your memorization of the Quran And also learn Arabic and Islamic science? I said, of course, I would love that mm. He said, We've just est- we're starting an institute Where all this is going to be taught And uh, I would want you to come And and benefit from it inshallah So I said of course I'll come So every Saturday Sunday I used to go there It would be like two buses from my house I used to go there every Saturday Sunday in the morning And we started studying there So then when I got there I was assessed And turns out I didn't know Tajweed and so on So I had to start the Quran again from the beginning To make sure that my Tajweed is correct Mm. and so on But that's when my journey really started properly Mm. 
and that's when it's, it will it started in a way that it wasn't there was not anyone telling me to do this but it's because I wanted it I desired it I loved yeah. it I wanted to learn this mm. and that's what kept me going yani despite having certain yani troubles at times and maybe having some difficulties learning the Quran it wasn't easy at the beginning I found it very hard Memorizing the Quran generally was very difficult for me at the beginning. But subhanAllah, yani after memorizing a number of ajza, it got easier. Before yeah. one page, memorizing one page would take me days. Really? Sometimes even a week. Mm. I used to think, yani, why are you not getting it? What's wrong mm. with you? That's what I used to think. Right? But subhanAllah, after memorizing a number of ajza, it got a lot easier. To the extent that sometimes I'll sit there and memorize a page in 10 minutes. Mm. 10, 15 minutes and I've... I've Temporary memory, I need to solidify, but I yeah, know it yeah. to an extent, which was almost impossible for me prior to that. So it got a lot easier. But of course, when it got easier, subhanAllah, before when it was hard, I used to work very hard and, you know, spend a lot of time doing it. But when it got easier, subhanAllah, yani, I became very quite lazy. I started relaxing. You know, just before I go to my sheikh, I'll memorize just a few pages because it doesn't take much time and then I go read him. That's what happened. So I remember one time I did that and my sheikh, he knew that I was capable of doing a lot more. So my sheikh used to have a big halaqa and he used to have a lot of people attending, you know. Mm. And I was there and it was my turn to read to him. So I went to him and I recited to him. And then I recited maybe about three pages or three pages and a half. I can't remember, four pages. It wasn't much. And then after, and I, and I think during the recitation, I made a few heavy mistakes as well. Mm. So my sheikh, after I'd completed reciting, he looked at me and he said to me, he asked me a number of questions. He said to me, yeah, yeah. And the moment he started talking to me, I'm um, very young, young at the time And everyone went inside. Normally you know When, when the, everyone's reading Quran <laughs> yeah, It's buzzing yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. nobody can hear you Even reciting But the moment He started talking to me Everyone went silent mm. So now I'm mortified Because I know I'm going to get told off And everyone's going to hear What's going to be said to me <laughs> So subhanAllah he, he said to me Yahya Do you have a wife and kids? I said No He said Do you herd camels? <laughs> I said no Do you herd sheep? I said, no. Do you work full time? I said, no. So he said, what on earth is stopping you from memorizing the Quran more and spending more time with the Quran? And I had no answer because there's nothing, mm. right? It was just myself. That day is when my journey with health changed. I'm like, I'm never going to let myself be in that situation again. Mm. So I'm going to work extra hard. I'm not going to yeah, memorize little, I'm going to memorize a lot. Yeah. And each time I will submit to him, Sometimes mm. 10 pages mm. Minimum 7 pages yani Half a juz 10 pages yani. uh, And sometimes even more And uh, that was great motivation for me Because I didn't want to be told off again right? Yeah. And alhamdulillah yani, um, That was the yani, majority of my journey But the, what made my journey very beautiful And very memorable And that I loved a lot And I consider it probably the most beautiful days of my life It is the brothers that I had around me, you know, my friends who were also on that journey, we were memorizing the Quran together and we'll always be together. And what brought us together is the Quran, yani our friendship was based on Quran. Yep. And until this day, yani we're friends and, you know, they, they lead the taraweeh in, in my local area and, and, and the masajid and they're teachers of the Quran now and so on. And uh, that Quran is just in their life and, you know, and, until now, it was a beautiful time. We used to have um, every Saturday, every Saturday night we sleep in the masjid. Mm. So what we used to do is we used to go do something called subah. Subah is a, a Somali way of, of revising Quran They call it Subah or Subah mm -hmm. So what we used to do is every every Saturday Everyone would bring some sort of food or whatever And we, it would be after Isha 
and uh, we would have that circle and it would be five juz every Saturday that we were revising. So the way they revise it, it's that I recite an ayah, you recite the next ayah, it keeps going around. Oh, and, wow, okay. and, and it keeps going around. And if you get stuck, you get skipped, mm. right? And we move on to the next person. So you have to make sure you revise to make sure that mm. you don't get stuck and you don't look bad the day that everyone's reciting. Okay. So we'd read maybe one juz, two juz, and maybe we would take a break. And then we'll maybe eat some food and maybe some people even start wrestling or whatever. And then after we'll, then we say, خلاص, back to Quran. And mm. we'll be back reading the, the ajza and so on. It was nice. It was every Saturday night. It would be the most beautiful, Inshallah. the most important, beautiful memories I have. Alhamdulillah. You know, one thing that you said, Ustad, um, and I say the same thing. Anytime I speak to anyone, I say the best days of my life and the best even achievement, even though you could argue, you know, afterwards in life you've achieved different things, but I still think that the Hifth days, yeah. those few years that I spent every day, every morning waking up, and yeah. even though I had school and things, um, exactly. and then in the evening I would go, I just look back and I think, Alhamdulillah, that was the the best thing ever that I that I did. And it was yeah. just so enjoyed. I, I just enjoyed it so much memorizing Quran, Alhamdulillah. Yeah. And I've heard this from, from so many people. And I think when you just dedicate that much time to Quran, um, and like you said, like, like your Sheikh said, you weren't married then, you, you weren't herding else, sheep man. then. No, nothing should so be distracting you. We, we, we were able to give that time back then, so it was really yeah, nice. Yeah. And you know, the, the additional point, I think even from the lesson that I'm taking from that interaction with your sheikh, is that as well as memorizing Quran, there was so much more tarbiyah that was being done at the same exactly. time. Even exactly. just that, him giving you those few words. Yeah. That wasn't really just about Quran, it was about your life, isn't it? It yeah, almost exactly. like change your life uh, to, to some degree. I still remember, you know, the first day I walked into the new madrasa, because so I was I was born and raised in a, in a town called Exeter. I don't know if you've heard oh, of Exeter. I know Exeter, Exeter right? yes. So down south, deep down south, um, 98.99%, oh, which is white population. Oh. So there's no proper masjid, nothing. Oh. So I actually had to leave, because I wanted to memorize Quran, I had to leave Exeter. I had to go to Leicester and then London and things like that. Um, so when I went to Leicester, one of my first days in the madrasa, um, I enrolled and I went. And I still remember clearly, right, I was sat, uh, waiting for the main sheikh to walk in So I'm sat on the floor And he walks in And then I'm like oh, alaikum. But I'm sitting on the floor And he stood up And I put my hand out like this yeah. And he just He just stopped And he just like Did ishara Said get up And you know And everyone was looking at me Like who's this yeah. new kid yeah. From this posh town called Exeter Right <laughs> You know Coming to memorize Quran Allah And I had to stand up And then I had to give him salam and that was a big, big lesson. Like I never, I never forget that because now wow. I'm like, okay, if I if I meet you know someone of knowledge now, I'm never gonna have yeah, to give yeah. them the respect. But that was a big lesson. You know, I was what twelve years old then, maybe. Um, but it taught me a big lesson. And course, things like course. that. It's the it's the tarbiyah yeah, that you, you get from your teachers, things. isn't it? You don't forget those things. 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So I think that the tarbiyah side is 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 just as important. Um, as everything else So it's nice to hear So how, how, at what age Do you think You completed uh, I think it was around 14 or 15 yeah, Around okay. that time Very similar to me yeah, then Was it before you finished Your GCSEs See, It was around that around time, that time. Similar, yeah, similar, yeah, time. Yeah. So the similar, similar time So the similar time I was doing my GCSEs I was mm. on towards the end Of the Quran yeah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah That's good That's good uh, What's what's uh, Like along the way As you as you were memorizing I know you said it's uh, It was an amazing journey For you But what kind of things Stood out for you Just along the way you know what stood out to me? One of the, just like you mentioned right now, you know, the, the, the tarbiyah element is something that stood out to me a lot, especially with my sheikh. My sheikh was uh, very different. And he, he was very different in the way he, he carried himself. And it's something that intrigued me, even from a young age. I always mm. thought, I mean, why is it that he's very different to perhaps how other people act and conduct themselves? And, you know, being kids, 
your due to the curiosity, sometimes you ask these peculiar questions. Mm. So I remember my classmates who are some some of them are a bit younger than me. So they decided, you know what? Let's just ask the sheikh. <laughs> Let's see what, what okay. his answer is. Yeah. So so how they said to the sheikh because my sheikh the way he was is he never used to talk much. He disliked mm. talking a lot until now he's like that. It's very rare to find him laughing. Like it's not mm. it's not common. Um, and he's very serious, very serious. Like, and he has this like, hey, you about this, mm. this all like everyone who sees him just like, I wouldn't say you're scared of him, but you immediately disrespect him, mm. right? It's just the way he is. Like whether you're young or you're old, everyone had that sort of feeling towards him. So as kids, you know, that we, we decide, you don't listen to answer Sheikh. So he gave us a very interesting answer, which I've never forgotten. He said that if I do not come across as serious, then you're not going to take what I'm carrying seriously, mm. the Quran. Mm. And he, then he said to us a statement that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, it's reported for him, which is that the person of the Quran should be known by his day when the FIFA eating, he's fasting. And he's, mm. he's not, when the FIFA are laughing, he's crying. When the people asleep, he's awake. Yani he's, the Quran should change you. Yani. The Quran should have an impact on your life. The Quran should make you different. It's not something you choose to do, but the Quran <coughs> has that effect to the extent that you end up being different in everything you do because of the effect of the Quran and how seriously you take the Quran and you're living your life by the Quran, right? So that stood out to me a lot. And I never ever forgot that. And uh, yani it's something that, subhanAllah, it takes a lot of discipline mm. to be like that. A lot of discipline. Yeah. To completely transform your life and, and we aspire, you know, one day that Allah allows us to be like that That we have the Qur'an, every element and every aspect of our lives Yeah, I mean mm -hmm. That's something we'll talk about later, I think, actually mm -hmm. Some practical some mm -hmm. practical tips Because it's, it's very interesting that um, your Sheikh gave that answer um, I think there's a lot to learn from that yeah. Because um, a lot of us, you know, especially Hufad, you know We just mm -hmm. get into that parrot mode of yeah, yeah. just reciting And then we think we've done something just with exactly. the Exactly just with the memorization, oh. but there's a lot more to it. The, the, the journey continues. 100%. Um, so before we get to any of that, just finishing off on your journey, then. So even even when you studied Arabic and uh, Arabic language and things like that, was it was it same madrasa, same all teachers, the same all place? Here? So all the same place. Okay. So we had a number of teachers that taught us different subjects. So of course, my sheikh who taught me uh, the, the Quran was Sheikh Ismail, may Allah bless him. And then we um, I was taught Arabic by my sheikh Sheikh Mahmoud, may Allah preserve and bless him. And then also we taught the other Islamic sciences well by our sheikh Sheikh Ibrahim, may Allah bless him. So the, they were the three teachers who initially I started learning with at mm. the beginning of my journey. And uh, then I, you know, I graduated from the institute um, after studying there for a number of years. And then after that, um, of course, yeah, I took a number of steps after that. But they were the uh, the foundation, and the, 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 they helped build that foundation at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, allowed to reward them. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's the most crucial part, the most important part of the journey. Yeah, uh, but what what I find interesting about that, similar to to my journey, which is the core part of your studying Quran, memorizing it, mm -hmm. Arabic language, and mm -hmm. things like that. Was that it was done here in the UK? Yeah. Um, which I know, I, I know later you you would have travelled and things, but like mm -hmm. the core part being in the UK, a lot yes. of people they uh, they yeah. either they don't believe that. Yeah. Trust me, I've spoken to people and they're like, in the, especially outside of UK. Like uh -huh. when I was in Saudi once, I was speaking to um, one of the guys serving me as a brother at Hardy's. Right? It just like it just we're just having a conversation, and then he's like, "Where did you learn Arabic? Because you said you're from Britannia, right?" 
So I said, oh, it's, there's Ma'had in, in yeah, London. He yeah. was like, what do you mean Ma'had? He said, this is Darul Kufr. It's, there's nothing there. It's, uh-huh. it's a land of... I said, no, trust me, you'd be surprised if you come. There's a lot yeah. here. Exactly. Um, but he was in disbelief. But, you know, yeah. again, there's even young students of knowledge. Maybe they have this notion of, yeah. like, you must go to Egypt, Medina, somewhere like that in order to to, to study, um, which we're not saying you can't. Of course, you can, you can go down yeah. that path. Um, but just tell us a little bit about that and addressing that kind of notion from students of knowledge yeah you know the thing is i thought the exact same thing when i was younger okay i thought that you know what in order for me to learn i have to go elsewhere mm. i have to leave the uk and i have to go to these um these muslim lands and i have to go study there that's what i thought but my teachers helped me understand things differently you know they completely changed my mindset and um i remember my sheikh he said to me that you know if you go to these lands, what are you going to do there? You're going to start memorizing the Quran, you're going to start learning Arabic, etc. <coughs> Would you not prefer uh, that you go to these places and you've learned the majority of yani, the Islamic sciences to a good degree and then after that you are furthering your studies and you're going further and you're bettering yourself? And he said, he said to me, give me a simple example. Like, in order to go to university in this country, you have to you have to go through school and you have to get yeah. certain uh, what do you call it qualifications in order to qualify to do a degree, mm. right? So how can you skip all of that and think you know what I'm going to go straight to the degree and hope that I just all of a sudden start doing well and I excel? Yeah. But you're missing the foundation. I mean, you went through twelve years of school mm. in order to eventually get to the degree to do university. Mm. So how are you skipping all of that? Yeah, and uh, I totally agree. I believe that people who do not yani, have that discipline mm. to learn whilst they're in the comfort of their home and around their family and so on, when they do go abroad eventually, they perhaps may not do as well. Mm. Because that discipline starts at home when you have all the distractions around you. Yeah. That You have to have that determination that I am going to work hard. I'm going to, uh, I have a goal that I'm trying to achieve. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there and so on. That requires discipline. When you have that discipline at home, then inshallah ta'ala, when you go elsewhere, you'll do even better. Mm, inshallah exactly. ta'ala. So I believe that that has to be something that starts at home. And if you look at the scholars of the past, I always say this, that the way they sought knowledge, it was that they would exhaust the resources that they had in their locality first before they ever looked at going elsewhere. Yeah. Once they exhausted everything else that they have here, then they will go and seek knowledge in other places. So what I tend to say to people is that, we have access to Quran in abundance in the UK. We have exactly, access yeah. to many places that teach the Arabic language and the other Islamic sciences <laughs> and so on. If I have not even made the effort to benefit from these places, what makes you think that all of a sudden when you go abroad that you're going to become a whole different person and transform exactly. and, and all of a sudden become an extremely hardworking student? I'm not saying that, that may not happen. happen. It may happen and it could be the case of some people, but it's quite far-fetched. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you hit the nail on the head or something. Mm-hmm. Like exact, you know, exact thoughts that I echo as well. Mm-hmm. I think there's a level of, as you said, um, there's a level of mature, you know, discipline, but also at the same time, there's it's maturity, isn't it? Because yeah, when yeah. you study yeah. and, and ground yourself initially, then yeah. you're a bit more mature when you go elsewhere, Definitely. and then you're more ready to to, to take on that challenge. De- definitely. Um, so, so 100% agree with you on that. So it's it's interesting. Alhamdulillah. Um, so it's nice to hear a little bit about a little bit of insight into Allah, into your journey. Alhamdulillah. Allah, um, but with Ramadan approaching, um, a lot of people listening, um, and, and one audience that I want to kind of speak to through this is, of course, you've got those who every Ramadan they're probably going to recite Quran anyway. Mm. Um, that's 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 a given. But then you've also got a lot of Muslims out there who um, 
perhaps they say I'm going to um, or, you know, they have this intention or they have this desire, but they just don't know where to even start. You know, they don't mm. know wh- wh- where, to, where to start. They don't know where to, where, to, where to go with it. Some even I've, I've spoken to some people who feel guilty even like, no, I'm so I'm so sinful. I can't even open up the Quran. I'm too, you know, that's too holy for me to even approach in the first place. You know, like Allah you have this kind of, kind of mindset. So I want to kind of speak to that audience as well. Um, as to how with Ramadan approaching How can we even start Where do we start How can we start um, with the Quran Jamil that's a very beautiful question I think it's a very important matter to discuss The Quran of course The way we should view it And the way we should look at it Is the first of all The perception I have of the Quran must change This book the Quran that Allah has granted us Is the book that Allah has revealed to us As a form of guidance mm. Meaning that if I feel like I'm not the best Muslim I'm not the best person I should be the solution to that problem is the Quran because me taking that step to the Quran and viewing the Quran that this is my solution that this is going to grant me that guidance it's going to grant me that steadfastness it's going to purify me because it's a source of purification mm. for the soul when I view it like that that will encourage me you know what I need to pick up the Quran I need to start a relationship with the Quran I need to start learning the Quran I need to learn how to recite it I need to learn how to start listening to it more often mm. you know look at the meaning of the Quran etc because this will help me engage with the Quran better and help me develop a relationship with the book of Allah wa ta'ala. so that mindset and that perception yeah. Must change That's the first thing So Allah He tells in the Quran Many things about the Quran itself He tells us Allah revealed the Quran is a book That we reveal to you O Muhammad والسلام, To take the people out of the darkness of misguidance To light of guidance To the straight path of Allah So the Quran is going to guide me so no matter how much I feel like, you know what, I am not worthy of, that's shaitan, yani, because shaitan, he's the one who wants me to, he wants us to be distant from the Quran, because he knows that the closer we are to the Quran, then we are going to be stronger in yani, facing his whispers and his whispers and the temptations he puts in our way and so on. We're going to be a lot stronger, we're going to be equipped. Better equipped for yani, the battles that we go through every day with our nafs and shaitan and so on. So, shaitan doesn't want that, he wants you to remain weak. Yeah. So, that's why I need to look at you know, in Ramadan, shayateen, the big ones are shackled up. Yani, the influence that they may have over you is very minimum. Therefore, this is the greatest time, this is the, the best time that I can, you know. Start that relationship with the Quran and start reciting it more and start looking at the meaning and, and start, you know, listening to it more and make an effort to start learning it. Mm. I believe that every single Muslim must have a relationship with the Book of Allah. I can't understand how one can't have or does not have a relationship with the Book of Allah because that life is, must be a very miserable life. A life without the Quran, it's very hard to uh, imagine what it's, what it's like. I can't imagine. If there was no Quran in our lives and there was no um, that guidance that we have and that we refer back to in all, in all our affairs and so on, if that didn't exist and, and you didn't have that in your life or you have no knowledge of it or you do not know it at all, then life will be very difficult. So you must look at it that this book is going to make my life a lot easier. Therefore, in order for me to attain that, I must uh, go towards and take that step towards it and look into it and find out what is Allah saying to me. Because Allah is telling you everything you need to know in this world. And for the hereafter as well. Now, mm. when you when we say relationship with the Quran, by the way, mm-hmm. can we can we just define that? Is it is it just as simple as 
reciting here and there? That's 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 a very good question as well because a lot of people think that having a relationship with the Quran is that I am one who just recites the Quran um, and so on. And I tell people that that's not a relationship with the Quran is a, it's, it's a part of the relationship with the Quran because part of the relationship with the Quran is that you meant to recite it regularly on a daily basis that you have a portion of the Quran that you recite every single day um, that you listen to it on a regular basis um, that you also are part of the relationship with the Quran is that you're actively learning it and learning it a lot of people they think that it stops from memorizing it no I tell them that it only starts memorizing because memorizing is one of the first steps of learning the Quran You learn to recite it And you start memorizing it And then once you complete Memorization of the Quran That's when the real journey With the Quran starts Meaning that Now you have to further Your understanding of the Quran The knowledge that you have Of the Quran And the science of the Quran Is an ocean that has no coast mm. And you start Especially the objective That Allah Azza Revealed the Quran for Which is to understand it And act upon it That is what the most important thing Ibn Qayyim He says a beautiful statement And I like to say this statement and relate it to people, especially people who may think, you know what, I can never come under this category of people. We, you know, we tend to hear this term, Ahlul Quran, the people of the Quran. But a lot of the time, we do not understand what actually makes you from the people of the Quran. What does it mean right. to be the people of the Quran, who the Prophet ﷺ described as the elite people of Allah, right? Mm. Ibn Qayyim says that the people of the Quran, Ahlul Quran, they are those who act upon it Even if they have not memorized it For instance, if a person did not ever have the opportunity To memorize the Quran Or they didn't have the ability to memorize the Quran Or they never got the chance to memorize the Quran But they have a relationship with the Quran Meaning that they recite the Quran They look at the Quran They understand the meaning of the Quran They act upon the Quran And they apply the Quran to their lives That person is from Ahl Quran Even if he has memorized it and in memorizing it, yes, is highly encouraged. Memorized yeah. it is very important. It's extremely virtuous. And we extremely recommend and encourage it for one to memorize the Quran because living by the Quran becomes easier when you know the Quran by memory. However, if one, for a certain reason, and, and had an excuse that prevented him from doing so, but they still live by the Quran, they apply it, they are from the people of the Quran, inshallah. Right? Mm. So that's the most important part. That's the most important part. That I have a relationship with the Quran that does not only end and it's not limited to only reciting it but it goes beyond that and is applying it and I can see the Quran and your etiquette and your character and the way you conduct yourself and the way you speak and the way you interact with your family and the way you interact with others and so everywhere and every aspect of your life the Quran is present that's mm. a relationship with the Quran have you, have you ever met anyone um, uh, through which you could just see the Quran? of course I've met many people many mashayikh mm. just looking at them observing them you see the Quran evident yani, that, that the Quran has really, really yani, penetrated their hearts. Mm. That's the assumption that you have. Yani, that's the good yeah. thoughts that you have based on what you can see. Yani. Uh, I've met people like that and it's always, yani, um, I'm always taken aback yani, when I see people like that. Mm. It's just amazing to meet people who are, the Quran is, it's really become their life. Yeah. You know? SubhanAllah. Um, you know, there's there's some people who, obviously, as we said, might not be able to memorize Quran. Um, you know, maybe they've tried, maybe maybe they just they, they don't have time or whatever it might be, right? So they they, they can't memorize Quran. Um, but as you said, they want to they want to understand Quran. No. You know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala speaks in the Quran about tadabbur no. um, and reflecting over the Quran. But then again, they're like, you know, if if I can't memorize the Quran, the if I can't think, yeah. understand the Quran, if I can't, you know. I don't know Arabic language and things like that, then is this like some sort of elite group that Allah is speaking about in the Quran? Like, you mm. know, 
you have to get to this level of of knowledge and and this station for you to even achieve that otherwise the rest of the ummah the rest of my servants you just carry on uh, as you are you know so if someone can't for whatever reason you know memorize or study or, or learn arabic then are they excluded is my question from even being able to access the quran understand the quran reflect on the quran no not at all because the beautiful thing is that allah ta'ala he judges every single person and deals with each, each person based on their ability Whatever ability Allah Azza wa has given you, whatever capacity that Allah Azza wa has given you, that is what you have to work with, right? So based on that, Allah Azza wa from His infinite mercy, that Allah will never ever ask you about things that you're never able to do. Never. It won't even be ever a question that you asked about. But that what you were able to do and you didn't do, you may be asked about. Therefore, that's what I need to have in mind. That... Okay, there may have been certain obstacles in my life that prevented me from uh, doing certain things and I wasn't able to do certain things that may be voluntary. Therefore, I have the ability to do certain things right now that I'm certain that I have been given the opportunity and the ability to do so. I must seize that because that is what's, that's my way of showing Allah that I'm grateful for this blessing that Allah has granted me, which is the ability to do this. And secondly, I'm using it to get closer to Allah to the book of Allah. Now, if someone does not know Arabic and they never got the opportunity to learn Arabic and they grow old and they think it's very difficult for them to learn the Arabic language at the age that they're at and so on, but they want to interact with the Quran, I tell them, okay, the translation of the Quran, they can help you interact with the Quran to a certain extent. Mm. يعني, the, as we say, if you are not able to do something in the in the best manner, in the most ideal manner, you don't abandon it altogether. Right, so of course, what's ideal is to interact with the Quran in the language that it was revealed in. But if one's not able to do that, he doesn't say because I don't know Arabic, there's no point in reading the tradition. Like, look at the tradition of the Quran. Mm. It helps you get an understanding of the Quran. It helps you increase, increase, yani, and strengthen your relationship with the Book of Allah Even through the translation, you can reflect on the Quran to an extent. Of course, you can. Yeah. It doesn't limit you just because you don't know the Arabic. It doesn't limit you to only yani, looking at the tradition, but you can also reflect upon the Qur'an because you can look at the tradition of some of the tafasir of the Qur'an <coughs> and that can help you do tadabbur. Yeah. And because tadabbur really, what is it in its essence? It is, what is the guidance that I get from this ayah? What is it telling me to do? What's the guidance that I receive from it? And if you understand it, you look at the tafsir of the Qur'an and you look at the translation, you understand it and you're able to extract that guidance from the ayah, that's tadabbur, right? That leads to amal, acting upon it. Exactly. Now. Yeah, exactly. So, putting you a little bit on the spot here, Usad, but Bismillah. just just as in for the benefit of those listening and watching, um, let's say they have opened up a translation, okay, uh -huh. um, and they read, you know, an ayah, right? Uh -huh. You know, a, a nice ayah, nothing too complex, you uh -huh. know, nothing related to rulings or ahkam, anything no. like that. No. Just an ayah which has some 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 guidance, a lesson in there, like. Can you give us an example, perhaps, of an ayah, just a even just from a translation with, through which you can just read it and be like, okay, this is how I can take something from it immediately. This is how I can implement or, or act upon it. So I know I'm putting you on the spot, but you know, it could be any ayah. Any ayah. Khalas, we'll take the ayah in Surah Tawbah that Allah wa Ta'ala says, because it's an ayah that everyone can relate to, I believe. Allah says, وَآخَرُونَ اَعْتَرَفُوا بِذُنُوبِهِمْ خَلَطُوا عَمَلًا صَالِحًا Allah says, and others. They admitted their sins. Mm. 
وآخر سيئة they mix righteous deeds with evil deeds الله عز وجل will forgive them إن الله غفور الرحيم الله عز وجل is the all forgiving the most merciful this ayah is telling us that it's probably reflecting the state of the majority of us that we commit evil deeds and so on and at the same time you're also doing righteous deeds you're mixing them together يعني but what is this ayah telling us is telling us the importance of being one who acknowledges and admits the wrongdoings that they do and they turn back to Allah and they ask Allah to forgive them for the wrongdoings that they do is giving you that push that I need to be one who constantly does that and that's what the ubudiyah stands on our servitude mm. it is between two mm. two matters it is admitting your sins and acknowledging the blessings of Allah Taala. when you admit your sins you seek forgiveness from Allah Taala. and when you acknowledge the blessings of Allah you should be more grateful to Allah which leads to more ibadah and more righteous deeds and that's what this ayah is telling us to a certain extent and he's telling us that we should be in between those things and that's why you know the adhkar that we recite every day adhkar al-sabah al-masa I believe that adhkar al-sabah al-masa it's one of the greatest ways to show, to show your servitude to Allah that you're sitting after Salat al-Fajr and you recite these adhkar what are you saying from some the adhkar one of the adhkar that you say is Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa anta خلقتني وأنا عبدك وأنا على عهدك وعدك ما استطعت أعوذ بك من شر ما صنعت أبوء لك بنعمتك علي وأبوء بذنبي فاغفر لي فإنه لا يغفر الذنوب إلا أنت يسيء والله أنت ربي يوم الولد لا إله إلا أنت there's no deity worthy of except you توحيد you're starting with that يعني mm. acknowledging that there's only Allah no one else he's your lord you're, you're only here for Allah عز وجل خلقتني you have created me وأنا عبدك أنا I'm your slave I'm upon your ahd يعني The covenant and Your promise as much To the best of my ability Meaning that The covenant which is my promise Which is I'm going to worship you Not associate any partners with you And your promise Your promise Which is That you're going to grant me Jannah if I do that And your reward and so on I'udhu bika I seek refuge in you From the evil that I've committed And I've done Abu'u laka I acknowledge your blessings upon me Abu'u bi'nadbi And I admit my sins so forgive me so verily nobody forgives the sins except you and if you reflect on that statement that you're uttering mm. the Prophet called this statement Sayyidul Istighfar and one of the greatest ways to forgive from Allah and the Prophet told us that whoever says this in the morning and he dies after that he'll enter Jannah mm. and whoever says in the evening and dies after that he'll enter Jannah why? because this statement is so great mm. what you're declaring it's huge it's a big deal and that ayah is a reflection of that. Yani that servitude that we are always between these sins and these righteous deeds. Mm. Right? Don't ever let your righteous deeds delude you and, and afflict your self-amazement and lead to arrogance and things that anger Allah. And don't ever lead your sins to ever make you despair from the mercy of Allah and pull you down and shackle you down and make you think that there's no hope for you and there's no point doing anything else because you committed so much and that you're filthy and there's no way back for you and so on. Rather, we all have that mm. now. Yeah, that's a very good example, alhamdulillah. Um, just, just on the point that you mentioned about the athkar, I always say, like, just that one example of say the istighfar. Um, you know, like nowadays, especially there's this trend of, you know, morning routine. You know, people talk about morning routine yeah. and I wake up at a certain time, I work out, I do X, Y, Z. And there's this new trend of uh, morning affirmations. So, you oh, know, yes. someone looks in the mirror or they listen to some affirmations. You are great. You are, you, you could do this. You know, self kind of motivation, Love right? That. But subhanAllah, there's, there's no better affirmation than, than this. You know, this is literally affirmations. You know, as in, in the sense of is athkar, exactly. you're remembering Allah, but there's a purpose to it. One hundred percent. Exactly, and 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 the, and the words that you're saying, just mm. like you know, these affirmations, I believe they're useless, yeah. because 
all it does, it just it serves your ego. Mm. It does not serve anything else. And what you need to remember is that we do not serve our egos. We're actually told that that's dispraised. Mm. What we're meant to serve is mm. Allah Azza wa The more you serve Allah Taala, you become more confident. And the more you serve Allah Taala, you'll become stronger. And the more you serve Allah Taala, you'll be, and you'll be granted everything that you desire, mm. right? So just if you look at some of the that you're saying in the morning, Allahumma. Inni, yani, uh, you, one of the adkar you're saying Allahumma inni as'aluka la'afu wa la'afiyya fi deeni wa dunyai wa ahli wa mali Allahumma astur awrati wa amin ru'ati wa hafadni min bayni yadayi wa min khalfi wa an yameni wa an shimali wa min fuqa u'udhu bi'azamatika nutani min tahti you're asking Allah for protection you're putting all your affairs in the hands of Allah you're asking Allah for his pardoning and all his blessings and all of goodness in this world in the dunya and the akhirah and your wealth and your family and then you're asking Allah to conceal your faults and to protect you from everything that you fear and to protect you from from above you and beneath you and your right and on your left and everywhere, right? Yani you're saying, Allah, I'm putting my affairs in your hands. What's going to harm you that day? But then also you see, Allah, I'm putting my affairs in your You are stating your purpose in the morning. Mm. Allah, I have started my morning. I bear witness. There's no deity worthy worship except you. And I make you and your angels and everyone a witness to that and all your creation. That there's no deity worthy worship except you. Only you, no partner with you. Yeah. And that Muhammad والسلام, is your final messenger. And you are stating your purpose. Why you've woken up, why you start your day. I'm here to worship you, nothing else. Yeah. Right? Even, even, even small, smaller ones like Radhi 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 Allah Allah right. Islam this, is, you know, this, is, a, this exactly. is an affirmation I'm but it's pleased a, with Allah as my Lord yeah. Islam as my religion Muhammad Ali is my prophet You see And these words are very powerful mm. Now, So uh, yeah, there's yeah. nothing more I, do, I, I can't stress enough And I always like to mention it to you But I can't stress enough How important it is for one To do those adhkar every day Religiously without fail yeah. After Fajr and after Asr yani After Salat al-Fajr There's no Sunnah Why? Because it's time of dhikr, yeah. right? You focus on doing the dhikr. And I say to people, some people may say, oh, but there's like 18 different adhkar that we reported on the Prophet Sometimes I may not have time to do all of that. I say to people, okay, there's not a single narration that says that the Prophet recited all these 18 different adhkar at the same time. There's yeah. not a single narration. Rather, all the narrations, they mention that one time he recited this. One time he recited Bismillah One time he recited One time he recited Etc. Right? So I say to people, just not to put down those who may not have the ability to do all of it. Yeah. Doing some is better than doing none. Absolutely. If you can do the ones that are short, memorize them and do that after Salat al-Asr, you do Adkar, you do it Bismillah don't leave yourself vulnerable to harm mm. These adkar They give you the barakah of the day They give you the success of that day They give you the ability to be more productive that day mm. They protect you from all harm Spiritual harm, physical harm They protect you from disobeying Allah All these things that we all are in dire need of now. Yeah so that's the best morning routine. The best morning routine. <laughs> best morning no routine doubt. It's the prophetic one. Of Allah course. Allah of course. Allah so coming back to what we were talking about, reflection of the Quran, it no. came from that verse in Surah Tawbah. No. But see how just from that one verse we had this, you know, it came to this no. discussion, which yeah. is amazing, right? Which is, uh, and, and I guess what we're saying is 
you know, th- that verse, for example, in Surah Tawbah, the, uh, the the overall, you could say, theme was forgiveness. Manal. So you can read that even one verse in the translation, coming back to what we were saying exactly. is the translation, even if you don't understand any Arabic, mm-hmm. but at least you can look at the theme of forgiveness and then it takes you from here to there to there and you make these connections and then you can just reflect just that one point, of forgiveness. 100%. That will take you days just to really contemplate over, Precisely. really grasp and understand. Then to act upon it is to do tawbah yourself, to go no. and repent for your sins, not to lose hope in Allah, etc., exactly. etc. Et exactly. One of my um, favorite stories, and I believe uh, this is uh, attributed to Al-Hasan al-Basri, um, who says that when he came across uh, the verse, خُذِ الْعَفْوَ وَأْمُرُ بِالْعُرْفِ وَأَعْرِضْ عَنِ الْجَاهِلِينَ You know, especially that first part, خُذِ الْعَفْوَ Like, adopt forgiveness mm. in your life. Um, he spent the entire night, literally, he went into the masjid, he spent the entire night just making dua for people who had wronged him. Allah. So he was just saying, Allah, you know, forgive the people who wronged me, forgive the people who wronged me. And so he was naming some of them as well. And, um, uh, you know, it, it said Allah. that there was a man passing by the masjid and heard uh, Hassan al-Basri making yeah. this He dua. wished he was one of those, yeah, he <laughs> yeah. wronged him. <laughs> he said, I wish that I was one of those people that wronged the imam. Allah, because of the How much dua I was sincere dua that he was Allah. making. Allah. And this just shows, you know, I always use this example to say, that's what you call tadabbur of Qur'an. Like that one verse, that's what you call acting acting upon the verse. And it doesn't take a a great scholar to to do that. You could do that yourself. You just come across translation, as you said, Asad, and just just apply it. And like Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu after, you know, the innocence of Aisha radiallahu anha was revealed in Surah Al-Nur. And Mistah, his relative, who used to give an allowance, was amongst those who spread the rumor, Mm. right? So when uh, the ayah was revealed, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, because he's a relative and he feels like he stabbed them, then back, they're meant mm. to be family, mm. right? He cut off the allowance that he used to give to Mustah, that Allah Azza revealed the ayah. That, you know, Mustah, he doesn't have much. Mm. And Abu Bakr, Allah has granted you these, these favors and his na'am and so on. So by you forgiving him, what's going to happen? Do you not want Allah to forgive you? Yeah. Do you not? Allah <laughs> lakum. The moment Abu Bakr heard, he said, I want Allah to forgive me. So he immediately forgave Mustah and gave him back the allowance. Mm. And that's immediate uh, reaction to the Quran, responding to the Quran, understanding the guidance that the Quran is giving you, what it requires you to do, what it's telling you to do, and implementing it straight away. Mm. And that's the, that's the difference between us, perhaps, and the Sahaba, that Allah granted them the tawfiq to immediately, instantly implement what Allah is saying to them. And us, perhaps, will come across many verses and many ayahs and so on. But we know exactly what it's saying to us and what's required from us, but sometimes we're a bit slow. Yeah. <laughs> we're a bit slow. So we need to get a bit quicker in responding to the call of Allah. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if you would uh, disagree with me on this, Saad. Um, one thing that I recommend usually for, 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 for this kind of audience of people who are trying to connect with Quran and the you know, look at translation, etc., mm-hmm. is if you're really like, if you want to apply quicker, um, and if you want to act upon Quran, then instead of, you know, you can go down the no- usual route of, Starting from the beginning, Fatiha, Baqarah, Ali Imran, etc. Um, but what I usually recommend, just to make it easier and more palatable, is go to the stories. Mm. You know, the the, no. the Qisas of Quran, Surah Yusuf, yeah. you know, these kind of Surah Maryam, etc. Um, because stories, it's easy to read. It's yeah. more enjoyable to read even. Um, and there's a lot more lessons that you can take from that. Would you, would you I agree, agree? I agree 100%. Yani, look, um, if you look at the way the Quran is revealed, the Prophet when he was in Mecca, the majority of the ayat and the verses that have been revealed over those 13 years were verses that are to do with Allah and the greatness of Allah and the description of Allah and the stories of the Qur'an. 
Why? Because when a person is new to Islam or is new to practicing or, or is trying to increase their iman and so on, when you have an example to relate to mm. and to take lessons from, it's very important. Therefore, Allah Ta'ala, Surah Yusuf is Makki, mm. right? Surah Kaf, Makkiya. This this sorry, I mean, they all revealed the Mecca, Masjid Maryam, Mecca again, yeah. right? Yeah, all Mecca, exactly, yeah. where all these stories are very evident, yani, etc. So I definitely do recommend that. It's probably a very good way to go about it because that's the way the Quran is revealed to the Sahaba of the So that's how they engage with the Quran at the beginning. Exactly, anyway. exactly. Yeah, and I, and that's probably why you know, not probably why it is why. Um, Netflix and all of these things are so popular today because stories. It's story. It's yeah. literally a story. A movie is a story. A documentary is a story, exactly. and we relate to that. So, Surah in the Quran, which is a story, you're going to relate to that, and you no. can find Surah Luqman and, and and so on. You can find these um, lessons very evident. Um, amazing stuff. Uh, coming towards the end, I know, um, conscious of time as well. Um, we've spoken uh, spoken about um, connecting with the Quran, of course, with with Ramadan coming up. I did want to quickly ask um, about some tips. Not just to do with reflecting, but I forgot actually earlier on to ask about memorization. Uh -huh. um, you know, everyone has their own method. Everyone has tips that they can share. We've had guests on before, mashallah, who've memorized as well. They've shared some tips. Mashallah. So each time I kind of ask, you know, if there's something that you could share that our viewers could, inshallah, um, implement. Well, my, my technique of memorizing the Quran was, I, I don't think there's anything unique about it. Because mm. all I used to do was, I used to spend a lot of time listening to the, the portion that I'm about to memorize. So I listened to it a lot so that... It's kind of fresh in my head, mm. but I've, I've heard it a lot and so on. So I used to listen to Sheikh Mahmoud Khalil Husari, rahimahullah. I would listen to him, I'll play it a number of times, as many times as I need for it to be for me to be very familiar with it. But whilst I'll be playing the recitation, I wouldn't just be listening to it. I'll also have the mushaf open in front Follow. of me. I'm following along. Yani I'm, because I believe it's very important to memorize whilst you're looking in the mushaf there because you know where every eye is. You have a picture mm. of that page in your head and so on. So I'd be doing that. And then after I've listened to it a number, a number of times, what I would do is that I would repeat those ayat numerous times. So mm. I, I don't know, I don't remember the exact amount of times I used to repeat it because I never used to count. But as long as it took for me to remember yeah. it. So sometimes I'll repeat the first line a number of times and the second line a number of times and then put them together and then move on and so on. <coughs> and then once I've done like half of the page, what I'll do is that I'll try to close the mushaf mm. and read that from the top of my head. And if I get stuck, I'll have a quick, I'll peek quickly and then carry on without looking at the rest of it. And when I've done that half, then I'll do the second half like that and then I'll put the page together. And then I'll, that will be that page complete. And then I'll repeat the page a number of times just to solidify it. And then I'll move on to the next page. Like that, that's what I used to do. And then of course, after each page or someone, I'll recite to one of my peers. Yeah. Like, you know, listen to me. Listen to me and recite this page. And then once I feel like I have this page, and I know the place I'm weak on because you might make some mistakes or you might yeah. get stuck on certain <coughs> ayat whilst you're reciting your peer and he'll tell you. Then I know, okay, this ayah needs a bit of work. This place needs a bit of work. I thought I knew it, but I need to know a bit better. And then I move on to the next page and it'll be similar. Yeah, like that. Mm. Yeah. It's still interesting though, because you kind of, you're kind of mixing the, you know, you're like an auditory learner and then you're visual as yeah, well. Yeah. Some people, they, they, it's either or. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of like combining. I had to combine right? both. Yeah, yeah, because now I, I, I need to know what the page looks like. I need to know where the eye is. Yeah. I need to know where the word is. And at the same time, I'm a very, I, I'm, I'm an auditory learner. So I learn mm. a lot through listening. Same. I pick up things very quickly through listening. And I was like that when I was younger, so I needed to listen a lot. Even when I was learning Arabic, listening was a big was a big thing for me in Arabic mm. because I used to listen to a lot of Arabic to an extent that when I was learning language, <coughs> I used to spend a lot of time just mm. listening to only Arabic. There was maybe two years of my life that I never used to listen to anything in English. Really? Just Arabic. 
because mm. I knew that I used to pick up a lot of things in uh, in the Arabic and just by listening and spending a lot of time listening. Like Alhamdulillah, and it was it was a blessing because it made many things easier for me. Yeah, I used to remember things very quickly just by hearing it. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, for me, yeah, I think I was more auditory, um, but still I had to. So I, I never liked the technique, by the way, uh, not to, not to you know, say anything against those who did it. But you know the whole technique of line by line, just read one ayah, yeah. and repeat 10, 15, 20 times. Uh, yeah, I don't exactly. like that because I like the flow. Exactly. You know, like, as you, I think yours is similar as well. Yeah, similar. Because if you're, if you're listening in one go or you're reading in one go, there's a flow. Whereas... It's too broken for me, the, yeah. the other method. So I liked, even if I was memorizing two pages, I would read from beginning to end of nah. the second page and go again and go again and then go again. Yeah. Like that, because that for me was, it had the flow and, and I'd pick it up, pick it up like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think when you're younger, you do have an advantage, um, you know, yeah, memory-wise. Your mind is fresh. Um, but that's not to say that it's impossible uh, exactly. either way. Because it, one of my classmates, you could say, in our class was an uncle actually he was there Allah. he was like in his 40s Allah. and he was the only you know senior he, the rest of us were like you know young young guys young boys and um, no he was there mashallah and he he eventually completed his memorization Allah. it took him maybe double the time than us yeah. more than that alhamdulillah he did it so it's not it's not impossible exactly. it's just it's just you do have a bit more of an advantage when you're younger yeah. um less things going on Precisely. i guess in your, yeah, exactly. in your mind you're yeah. a lot more fresh Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so the last tips, I guess, uh, you know, we always like ending on a practical note um, with with Ramadan approaching, not, I mean, related to the Quran, unrelated to Quran, just some last tips for, for us to, to walk away with, inshallah, to make, hopefully, you know, we always say every year, this Ramadan, I need to make it like the best Ramadan of my life. How, yeah. You know, uh, this Ramadan needs to be the most productive one. Um, how can we ensure um, that another Ramadan doesn't, Leave and escape us without us, you know, maximizing it. Well, it's a very good question. I, you know, I, I, I say, to, I say to myself, and I, and I maybe would remind others, going to Ramadan with this mindset. If you go into Ramadan with this mindset, I think Ramadan would be different for you. You know, when someone is on death row and they've been sentenced to death, and they're just waiting for that mm. day that they're going to be executed, those last few days. That you have over the last few months or whatever it may be Are perhaps going to be the most important days Or the most important months of your life Why? Because you know that this is Your life is coming to an end Therefore you're going to cherish every moment You're going to take it seriously You're going to do everything that's important to you Because you're never going to get this opportunity again Right? So every single one of us has been sentenced to death We have mm. We just don't know when it is mm. But we've been sentenced to death So we're all in death row Going to Ramadan like someone who's on death row And this is going to be definitely your last Ramadan mm. When you have that mindset Every salah you pray Every citation of the Quran Every sadaqah you give Everything you do It will perhaps have the most sincerity Because you're thinking I'm going to meet Allah very soon Therefore I want to have the best deeds that go before me So that I can meet Allah in the best state So perhaps that mindset it's a mindset to go into Ramadan with And of course Ramadan is the month of mercy And the forgiveness of Allah And the month that Allah feels frees the most Next from the hellfire mm. So I want my neck to be free with my hellfire I want to be granted Jannah I want to be forgiven etc So that means that I need to do what it takes to get that Because you know Ramadan It's almost impossible not to be forgiven in Ramadan mm. Only one who goes out their way to not be forgiven in Ramadan Is not forgiven in Ramadan 
You fast is a means of you being forgiving. You're standing in the night prayers means of you being forgiven, etc. But on top of that, what I say is that we have brothers and sisters maybe that, or some people who may, you know, they understand the importance of Ramadan and they get into the Ramadan mood. But we tend to prioritize things that are not a priority. Getting our priorities straight and in line and what is important and what's less important is very important because this is from the chops of shaitan. Shaitan, sometimes shaitan will come to you and say, he's getting you to do good deeds. Mm. But when he's getting you to do good deeds, he's making you neglect deeds that are more important that are perhaps obligatory and a priority. Mm. What happens in Ramadan is that some of us fall into that where we're praying taraweeh the whole night, we're praying the whole night and we spend the night and awake and salat al-fajr we're not praying. Mm. We're fasting the whole day and starving ourselves But we're not praying those five daily prayers of time And this is a huge, huge problem Because that could lead to everything that you're doing goes to waste If your salah is not intact Then nothing else will be looked at Yom Al-Qiyamah Nothing else matters It doesn't matter all the other deeds that you've done The first thing you'll be asked about salah Salah is not intact You you can't come and say But I fasted But I gave charity Mm. But I did this It doesn't matter It's Almost useless yeah. So it's very important that the salah It's the greatest priority And I can't stress it enough That we're making it You know what Many people may struggle with the salah They may struggle to pray on time It it can be a struggle طيب, Let this Ramadan be You know This is going to be the time That I'm going to start a better, ha- better mm-hmm. habits New routine mm-hmm. My salah is going to be intact I'm going to pray every salah on time And the thing is Ramadan is a great time To start these good habits Because everyone's in that mood you have the whole community helping you, yeah. right? So it's the best time for you to transform your life, inshallah ta'ala. So go with, with that mindset and make a lot of dua that Allah helps you and aids you because without the help of Allah and the assistance of Allah, we will not be able to achieve anything. And we ask Allah to allow us to read Ramadan and to accept it from Ameen. us and to make us from those who are forgiven the Ramadan and attain Laylatul Qadr, Iman, and Hatisaba and those who attain the pleasure and the reward of Allah. Ameen. Ameen. Allah um, very much appreciate uh, your time and your efforts. Thank you so much for inviting me. And your advice. Um, very much benefited and enjoyed. This, uh, the final request before we end, and this is usually something we would have asked at the beginning, but as they say, khitamuhu misk. So um, with on the theme of Quran and on, on the note of Quran, uh, if, if we can kindly request uh, just a few ayat recited. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما كان لبشر أن يكلمه الله إلا وحيا أو من وراء حجاب أو من وراء حجاب أو يرسل رسولا أو يرسل رسولا فيوحي بإذنه ما يشاء إنه علي حكيم وكذلك أوحينا إليك روحا من أمرنا ما كنت تدري ما الكتاب ولا الإيمان 
ولكن جعلناه نورا نهدي به من نشاء من عبادنا وإنك لتهدي إلى صراط مستقيم صراط الله الذي له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض ألا إن الله تصير الأمور زاك الله خير بارك الله فيك الله يحفظك